0: Well, good morning news just doesn't stop this year it is just clobbering us Joe absolutely clobbering us I don't, good want, morning, I, don't everyone. Want,
1: I don't want the beat down I don't want to be beaten down anymore
0: I'm trying to find some I'm I, I really am trying to find some uplifting news out there it, it's not easy well Nvidia, Nvidia's through the roof how's that there we go <laughs> you got Nvidia stock congratulations. You're doing great. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning, Brendan Rendo with the Holmes Orlando team and joined as always by Joseph Dion. We got a lot of stuff going on. There's actually talk of higher interest rates from the Fed. We've got really? debt continuing to grow for for everyone in the United States. Um, we've still got a ton of trouble in the commercial um commercial sector so it's just everything's just coming together beautifully <laughs> into the perfect storm into the perfect storm so let's hop in and this one just kind of caught me a little off guard this came out yesterday Larry Sanders who's a former treasury secretary came out and said that he felt the next move of the Fed would actually be a rate increase.
1: You shut your mouth.
0: Nope. I can't. Look <laughs> like you, you, you were you,
1: former. Former.
0: Yeah, former. Um, but you, you look at it and you and you look at the items that he's looking at, and you could kind of say, Yeah, if you're looking at these numbers, and these numbers are correct if they are correct. You know, we're kicked off January CPI jumped 3.1%, PPI jumped 0.3%, you know, mm-hmm. well over the expected 0.1. Payroll went through the roofs with that new calculation that they have and our GDP grew 3.3% versus 2. So, he's kind of right in that if I'm the Fed and I'm looking to the whole point of raising interest rates is to slow down your economy, cool things off, yep. push your inflation, push your inflation down. But when you get numbers like this, you feel you like you gotta, gotta keep there.
1: pushing it down.
0: You gotta keep pushing it down. Well, how do you keep pushing it down? You raise the rates. You you, you actually have to raise the rates. And it's to me, it's 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 logical, but man, it just the feel that you, it, it, it's two worlds out there right now. The feel you get is that everyone's hurting. Mm-hmm. I was—I hopped on a next door yesterday because, um, you know, that's everyone's favorite place to complain. And I felt bad for the person because she, she was talking about her rent going up and then her electric bill doubling. And yeah. she's like, I can't do this anymore. I don't know what to do. You know, we need the government to step in, and you know, my thought was, well, government's the one who caused it in the first place. Why, why would you look for the people who caused the problem to solve the problem? And it just well
1: because it creates more dependency on the government. Wait, wait, I won't go down this road. Uh, I won't no, go but, down this road. I'll keep quiet. I'll keep quiet. Yeah,
0: I'll move it, the it's, mic out of camera. Yeah, it's it's not like. You know they they pump ten trillion dollars in to a system and didn't think they'd get any inflation. Mm-hmm. You know, but you you feel their pain. You, you you really do. You're sitting there going, "I got you, I got, you. I get you." Every time I go to the grocery store these days, and you know how do you solve it? Well, one, you stop printing money, and you you constantly at some point we've got to hold our governments accountable for what they spend you know cuz you you look at it and this is released from the federal reserve this week mm-hmm. and this is household debt and cre- and credit in the past year household debt has gone up 604 billion dollars 604 billion dollars everyone's living off of credit cards everyone's living off of debt right now And then you start looking at the delinquencies and what are you seeing? All the delinquencies are starting to pop up. Auto loans are up. Credit cards have gone up over 2% and delinquencies of over 90 days. So that debt burden is, is continuing to crush people overall. And it's, it's crushing. It's, it's actually crushing our government as well. There was, a, um, an auction yesterday of uh, 20 year bonds. Well, it was only about $18 billion. And there's something that's called the tail. What the tail is, is basically the government offers the bond at this interest rate. Okay. Yep. But then they sell at this interest rate. And the tail was actually three basis points higher. Than what they were they were offered at so what does that mean it means people don't want the bonds so how do you have how do you actually get people to buy these things you have mm-hmm. to increase the yield on them in order to get to get people to buy them which means that you're actually pushing the price of the bond down which that's that's scary because as we went over last week we've got over was it nine trillion to 10 trillion dollars that has to be refinanced in the next in the next year of national debt? Mm-hmm. So if all this stuff all of a sudden we're trying to offer it at four percent, and people are saying, no, we actually don't feel real comfortable in the US being able to cover their debt, what's it gonna do to the yields? Mm-hmm. Push all the yields up. So we're going to, you know, will we see lower mortgage rates? No, we'll actually see end up seeing higher mortgage rates because all the yields for all this debt are going to have to be pushed up. And that's just that's just something that that you you really got to look at and think long long term down the road. I mean, I know China this week trying to infuse their system, get them themselves back back to life. They cut their interest rate or their central bank rate a quarter of a point.
1: Yeah. And you see, you know, say like Japan, massive, like massive issues in Japan right now right uh-huh. with, with, with theirs. I think their public debt, like 250% of the GDP right yeah. now, which doesn't correlate, right? Like, but you, you start looking at it. It's like you've got major issues in like the Southeast, Eurozone, you know, Spain and stuff like that, like major. And you, you kind of pause. We said this for a while, like we're kind of a world economy now right like things that happen in china packed us things mm-hmm. that happen to us impact china and so forth in europe and germany and and in london and all these other places like right we all kind of pull at each other i almost feel like we've got to kind of sit there and say some of these major major economies right like you know like they've got to kind of say hey we got to put our differences aside we're going to have some deep conversations And how are we going to fix this on a world scale before we create a, you know, a much, much bigger issue?
0: Yeah. A great reset? Oh, (laughs) I'm sorry.
1: (laughs) I'm not saying that's what's going to... Like there are probably a lot of countries that would love a great reset, um, that would really, really benefit from it. And it's probably the smaller guys that would benefit the most.
0: They'd they benefit the most. Yeah, right. we'd be hurt. Like, like, we'd be hurt. A bigger all.
1: economy like China, U.S., like U.S., China, Japan, Germany. Like we do a great reset, great. Like yes, that helps us, but we're kind of like we kind of control things a lot more, right? Yeah, you, you yeah. can see if there was like a reset, you can see some emerging economies and countries that really gain gain uh gain powers with something like that so i don't think something like that will happen because you know the big dogs the top five probably not going to want to make allow that to happen
0: yeah but well right now we've, we've got two of the top or four of the top six in recession Yeah. the only one who only ones who aren't quote in recession is india and us mm-hmm. that's it yeah everyone else is in a, is in a recession right now mm-hmm. so if you've got these two on top and these four on the bottom, what's going to happen? These four are going to pull us down Mm -hmm. and, you know, they're they're going to pull us into a recession. It's just how long can the, the fed and the treasury manipulate things enough Mm -hmm. that they say that we're, we'll quote not in a recession.
1: Yeah. And you, you take like, let's think bigger economics, right? Let's think about budgeting and, you know, right now, you know, we're, we're, if you're in a good, sound fiscal budget, right, you should be operating in a surplus as a country, right? Mm-hmm. Like you should be yep. spending less than you're bringing in, right? Basic economics, right? Spend less than you bring in, but that doesn't yep. happen. Hence, why credit card numbers for Americans are so high, right? Like, so let's think yep. about as the country. Well, we know the country's operating at a deficit, right? And right now, they've been averaging a six percent deficit off of their GDP. How long can you can how how long can you operate at a six percent? Because there's no end in sight right now. No, there isn't. There so there isn't. this year we're at a six. Next year we're at a six. The following year that probably jumps to an eight because your your interest payments on those on all that debt is going to get higher, right? And yep. then where does it kind of go from there? Because if we get to double digit deficit, right, like that's not good.
0: No, no, and and to me the hardest part is. You know, and I was having the discussion was at some point all of us have to say we're all going to have to take a little bit of pain, and that's the that's to me is the hardest part. Is no one wants to feel that pain? We yeah. we we've, we've taken away the pain part of living. You know, but when when do you learn the most? When you fail. Yeah. You fail. You learn. You learn. You do, you know. You mm-hmm. pray you don't do the same stupid thing again. Yep. But but the pain teaches you what not to do. Mm-hmm. And I think in a lot of ways, both economically and culture, we've just kind of pulled that away from from everyone. We don't we don't want you to feel pain. Well, go outside, run around, fall down, get back up. Mm-hmm. That's how you learn. That's how you learn? And it it comes a point where all of us just going to say, okay, you know what? We're going to, we're all going to feel a little pain. You know what? Maybe I don't need that third car. You know, maybe I don't need, you know, three houses. Maybe I don't need eight TVs in my house. You know, (laughs) well, you got how, how many, four kids and, but, (laughs) but at, at some point, you know, you got a choice. You either, sacrifice willingly or you get knocked down because economically it's just it just isn't feasible anymore Mm -hmm. you know so you got you got this going on then you know we've been talking a lot over the past couple weeks about the commercial real estate and then things continue to develop in in that arena one of the biggest ones Is the pension funds hmm. have cut back tremendously on their investments in commercial real estate over the past year.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: They've actually, there's a 45% drop in the um, investment from pension funds for commercial real estate. So what does that mean? It means money's tighter. So what happens to the cost of that money for the for the commercial guys? it's that's going to go simple. up yeah and then you look at this one as well is the net lease volume fell by 51 percent from 2022 that's tremendous because that that your net lease income is what you use to qualify for your mm-hmm. um, refinance yep so if, if that's dropped 51%, what are those chances of getting refinanced?
1: All I'm saying is where is this 51% here in Florida? Like our, our, I, I, know you're, yeah, I know
0: you're shopping around
1: right now. I'm like, it, like we, we got to find, like, we got to decide if we're going to renew or expand or go to another location. And I'm sitting here going, man, like, how does it keep going up and up? Like we hear these numbers nationally, but we're not experiencing that here in Orlando,
0: no, go to San Francisco. I'm sure you can get at a really good price. We're moving our headquarters.
1: <laughs> I don't want to live in San Francisco. Nothing against California, but you know,
0: yeah. I can't afford
1: sure.
0: it. Yeah, go go to New York. There's I can barely afford
1: Florida. I hear I hear the government. I hear uh, New York's not pro business right now, so I'm not going to go yeah. to New York.
0: Well, do you hear um, Remington, the largest gun manufacturer in the U.S., uh, is moving out? They what yesterday? Did not going hear to Georgia going to Georgia. Yep. Wow. They're done with they're done with New York. They've had enough. Wow. So that, it's that, you just, you know, you're looking at all this economics, and you know, you now you start to understand why these numbers have started to change. In that home ownership, we used to figure what every seven to eight years, yeah, you know, people would move. Roughly, in that ballpark. Well, it's actually jumped to close to almost 12 years for people to reside in their houses. 12 years. 12 years.
1: 12 years. Gosh, 11.9 years in one home. In one home. That's it. Two and five. I I'm
0: 2018, so I'm what? I'm six years now, and
1: really don't have any. Any thoughts of moving. When did I buy my house? 2016. Yeah, okay. We're approaching eight years. Holy cow. Yeah. yeah. Why I'm quick, fancy to move. <laughs> so you're looking, you're looking
0: at that and you're like, that actually makes sense because economically, again, doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. And you got two and five baby boomers, they've been in their houses for 20 plus years.
1: Well, they're saying on a gold mine, they got a lot of money.
0: Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. But the problem is, is they got all that. Then you try and find a new house.
1: What are you going to do with it?
0: We, yeah, it's all. I mean, you've just eaten all your all your profit up and then you still yeah. probably are going to have to have a mortgage yeah. on top of it.
1: Well, I, so and I, you you take this. I'll use my parents as an example. They've been in their home since 98. So they're ahead of that 20 year. Like they're part of that equation. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know if they're baby boomers. I don't know. They're they're 67. Yeah, they're big, and That's baby boomers, right? Um, but you're. Uh, they're 67 years old, 67, 68.
0: Yes. Yeah, they're, yes. they're, they're right on the tail end, I think. Right. Yeah.
1: Um, uh, but, but, but you go into that and, and the reality is, is, you know, they wanted to downsize, they wanted to change homes. But when I sat down and looked at everything with them and had a, like a deep conversation, I was like, you've almost paid off your mortgage. Your mortgage is, you know, like, like, let's just be real. They've got, you know, nearly a 2000 square foot, three, two on a golf course. It's nice. All in taxes, insurance, everything, mortgage payment, seven hundred and ninety dollars. What? what? I was like, I was like, you guys can't afford to leave. Like, you can't, you can't rent a one one for that. And, oh and I'm not God. saying they would rent, but I was like, if you were to try to buy and buy something else, like, you, it would be better off for you to sit there and say, you know what, I'm gonna hire. And like, my mom was like, I want. I want a smaller house. It's too much to clean. I was like, it would be cheaper for you to hire a cleaner than to try to take your equity and buy something else and finance a little. Right. That's like,
0: actually cheaper than living in an RV.
1: Pretty much.
0: Wow. Seven. Wow. Seven hundred. Isn't that wild? Isn't that nice? Yeah, <laughs> right? You know, I, I, I feel pretty good that, you know, we're all in right now, like $1,919. You know? And I'm like, and when I when I look at the new payments for for my clients, and they're sitting at three thousand, thirty-two, thirty five hundred dollars, I'm like, man, are we lucky? Are we lucky we bought mm-hmm. when we did at the price that we did? You know, mm-hmm. I, I feel extreme, I feel extremely fortunate overall. So so there's still there's still a lot going on. I'm not sure where where it's going to go from here, you know, but I, I just, I just, I know we can't keep the debt up Mm -hmm. at some point. At some point the debt has got to stop or we're just going to, we're just going to bury ourselves. You know, it's just going to become too, too expensive for everybody to, to even live anymore, which is it's getting close to it overall. Well, let's hop in. And it looks like our numbers for the week in Orlando, we actually had a really nice jump. Um, we went from 274 to 414 the first nice week. Nice little pop. Yep, which kind of makes sense because that's really the you know you figure the first week of January, people mm-hmm. are excited. It's the new year. Let's go find a new home.
1: Right. Rates so, were still. So yeah, rates were still good before yeah, they started climbing again.
0: It it's interesting because you and I have been stuck on that six and a half percent, and we've seen the past week, past week, week and a half, since they creep back up to over seven, that the volume mortgage application volume has dropped quite a bit. Yeah, it seems like that six and a half is really that sweet spot.
1: Yeah, I think it. Like, I think year over year we're down eleven percent year over year from in mortgage volume, and down ten percent week over week. Okay. Something like that.
0: Yeah. And just people are just, you know, tightening their, you know. It's amazing how that just that little bit can make that much of a difference. But it does. It it obviously is because we see it every week in the volume going up and down. And this was interesting that the median price, even though the volume went up, the median price decreased 7.4%. Interesting. So sellers are tightening a little bit yeah you know know, inventory decreased just a hair so we've been really pretty steady at that 5400 home volume Mm -hmm. for i think the past month you know we got we're coming into march usually mid-march end of march you're gonna you start to see that volume pick up as people get ready for the spring season yep um our condos are you know they're just holding steady at 115 i mean they're just they're not going anywhere and we're got some interesting news this morning but we got to confirm it all we'll take care of that next week but I gotta tell you I um I was working on a deal and it uh, killing me but over here in the springs in Longwood mm-hmm. can you guess what the capital total capital contribution is to move into a condo over there
1: Oh gosh, it's the springs. Which the springs is notoriously high all the time. I feel like anytime I talk about it, I don't know what, like two thousand dollars,
0: thirty five hundred
1: dollars, thirty five hundred dollars, and the capital contribution. Just for those that are, aren't don't know, aren't aware, basically this is a fee that you pay at closing when you purchase. It's a one time expense when you move mm-hmm. in, but it's kind of just like, hey, you want to live here? Great for the joy of living here, thirty five hundred dollars.
0: Yep. They have the master, which is $2,155. And then the condo stub uh, HOA yep. is another two months. And the HOA fee is $625. Oh so you're goodness. adding another $1,300 on top of the $2,155. Wow. And I just, I about fell over. I'm like, how do you, not only how do you buy it, how do you sell it? Mm hmm. You know, because that's a serious, serious situation with a seller saying, look, if you want someone to move in here, you need to eat this or a good Mm -hmm. portion of it, because otherwise it's prohibitive for people to move in.
1: Yep. Uh,
0: Condo prices, they decreased about 10 percent, the median price. And our inventory, just a hair up, you know, 11 percent. Then we hop into one of our favorite numbers, the original list to set um, to final list price. You know we're holding steady at that ninety-four percent right now, and the million-dollar homes actually actually came up a little bit. Okay. Uh, I think we were eighty-eight percent last week. We actually yeah. came back up to ninety-three, so a little bit of recovery there. But one of the big things is our average days um, list to contract jumped to sixty-five. And that that was a pretty that was a pretty big overall jump when you look at it graphically, because we had dropped down to, you know, roughly 53. Mm -hmm. This is the first time we've broken. We've actually broken over 60 days. Yeah. On that on that market. And then you see our inventory holding, you know, pretty much holding steady for the past month, month and a half Mm
1: -hmm. at
0: that 5,400 units. And then the same thing with the condos we jumped to 65 days. And again, you look at it, you know, they're, they are holding steady above that, above that 60 day mark. That's, Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people say six months is, is a, is the, is a buyer's market, but I think that that rule of thumb is old school. Um, Simply one because of information available and the ease to look at properties or the way it used to be, you know, I think sixty days really, ter- really is your buyer's market now. Mm-hmm. Something staying on the market more than sixty days, it's it's really jumped into your buyer's market.
1: Mm-hmm. And then you
0: see our inventory again, just slow and steady, continuous move of condos, inventory yep. growing. So I mean, but there's there's so many things. Boy, if you're if you're looking at a condo, there's a lot of phone calls you need to make to that HOA to make sure everything, you know, what are the exact, you know, what is the capital contribution? You know, January 1st, how much, it's not if, it's how much did the HOA fees go up? You know, mm-hmm. is, are there any coming capital contributions? Because a lot of, in a lot of the budgets, they've got in there that, you know, they're gonna have to have a capital contribution, you know, mm-hmm. in six months for this or for that, because you're you're not gonna escape it. and. You don't want any surprises. You know, you want to try try to avoid as many surprises as you can when you're buying when you're buying a condo. But you know, if they, what do you do if all of a sudden July the insurance company jumps themselves up in their interest rate, and they the condo has to come back mid year and do a do a adjustment to cover the cost of the uh, of the increase in insurance. Yeah. So there's a lot of, you know. A lot of concerns with, with purchasing a condo that I see currently yeah. overall. So that is, that is our uh, news for the week. We appreciate you joining us. Uh, as always, please like and subscribe and join us again next Thursday. Thank you so much, Joe.
1: It was Thank a pleasure. You. Take care. You as well.